So what we have done is we found a way of how to hack the brain into thinking or responding the same way on a similar way it did in your own body when you were a child. Welcome to the Regenerative Warrior Podcast, Doctor's Edition. One of the fastest growing regenerative medicine and anti-aging podcasts in the world. Each and every Tuesday and Thursday, I talk to the top experts to show doctors how to market, manage, and magnify their practice to help more people and make more money. Each episode is short and to the point without wasting your time with pointless conversation. Learn the skills to be successful without traveling to seminars or paying for expensive consulting fees. Are you ready? Because I am. I'm Dr. Ross Carter, and it's time to start the Regenerative Warrior Podcast now. Two things before we get started. The views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those of Dr. Carter or this podcast. One of our podcast partners has just announced special pricing for our listeners. Wharton's Jelly Allograph for $475 per cc. You heard that right, only $475. White papers are available. This is for a limited time, so act now. Why pay double or triple the price from other providers? To learn more or to order, text your name and the word JELLY, J-E-L-L-Y, to 561-962-1231. Write that down. It's 561-962-1231. On with the show. My name is Peter Wasowski. I uh, have worked in the kitchen side of medicine for over 47 years. I'm currently 70 years old. Uh, we sold my previous company to Lee Steinberg. If you have seen the movie Jerry Maguire, it's based on Lee Steinberg's life story. So this was a previous product that I developed, basically also commercializing the spacesuit technology developed by NASA. And I am back again at NASA Research Park doing another different technology, but also utilizing some of the technology developed for the NASA space. This is actually about learning how to optimize your physiology and how to get the benefit of intense training and intense exercise without the intensity. So if you were to look at the United States, for example, about there's a small number of people, I believe it's around 20% of the U.S. population that owns a gym membership, and two-thirds of those people just pay the money. They don't show up. In fact, that's the business model for conventional box gyms. They sell a huge number of memberships, and they know most people will not come. So, And some people that actually do show up, show up to a gym for social reasons. So there's a very small number of people that actually exercise on a regular basis, and people that do get the benefit of health from exercise are people that are doing very intense exercise, such as CrossFit and Sanity P90X, very, very intense exercise, which provides you with a health benefit, but of course, quite often at a risk of injury or overtraining. So the technology that we have developed that we're now promoting and successfully clinically trying it on a number of people, our oldest person using the technology is 97 years old, our youngest is nine years old, and then we have astronauts, professional athletes, elite military warriors, all of them using it at the same time. So if you were to come to our facility, you may see a 80-year-old senior, and right next to him, there could be an NFL athlete getting the same benefit from this technology. This is something you would never see in any type of a conventional exercise facility. Yeah, so let's talk about how did the concept begin? I mean, why is it important, for example, to even exercise, and why would you even want to push yourself like that? So our bodies were designed for movement. So, of course, if you go back into the original men, 
you know, we had to hunt for our food. We had to do a considerable amount of physical involvement in order to stay alive. So the best way to explain this is when you compare the physiology of an adult person to a physiology of a young child. So whenever we see a four, five, six, seven-year-old, we don't see those people walking. They're always going full speed ahead. If you were to look into the upper legs of a child like this, you would see extremely highly concentrated lactic acid. And of course, the lactic acid is the byproduct of the muscle being used. It's the waste product that gets eliminated through the venous side, through the kidneys and the bladder. So the more you damage the muscle tissue or cause those microscopic tears, the more of this lactic acid gets released. And the higher the concentration of the lactic acid, not the amount, the concentration, the higher the concentration of the lactic acid in the muscle tissue, the stronger the feedback to the brain, specifically to the pituitary gland, requesting hormone levels to rebuild the muscle back to pre-exercise conditions. So children, of course, have a high level of growth hormone because they're growing. They are also very, very active, which means they're boosting this hormone level because they're concentrating massive amounts of of lactic acid in their muscles. And that's what makes children so resilient whenever you see a child with a meniscus tear, ligament tear, or you know, many, many injuries, and you bring them to a doctor. If the doctor decides to operate on a child like this, sometimes this decision is driven by economics, not by medicine, because from a medical point of view, in many cases, children do not need medical intervention. They just heal very, very quickly on their own. And when they run around like this all day, at night they sleep extremely well. And between the second and third stage of sleep, the brain produces 50%, 5-0, of our daily hormone level. That's a huge amount. And most of the adults actually don't experience this. And this is why the coffee business and the energy drink business are doing so well. Because we wake up in the morning and we basically have to kickstart our brain because we're not rested enough and we didn't get this rejuvenated hormonal release. And of course, when you see children waking up in the morning, they don't ever ask you for coffee. They're full of energy and they're doing it all over again. So we are extremely resilient from the time we're born to the time you go through puberty. Once you go through puberty, three things take us backwards. First, we have more real estate in those legs. So you can no longer concentrate lactic acid at those levels because those legs are longer. Second is that we don't have time to run around all day like we did as young children. And the third is that we are now closer to reaching our adult height. And when that happens, your natural hormone levels are slowing down. So when you combine those three factors, that translates that the signal to the brain requesting additional hormone levels is getting weaker and weaker and weaker and actually progressively accelerates as we age. So that's when aches and pains don't go away so fast and some of the injuries don't heal like they used to. And uh, at some point, we're starting to lose muscle tissue and it's more and more difficult to walk without tripping. You know, those are classic signs of aging. So when you go to a physician and they check your hormone levels and they'll say, well, guess what? You know, you're getting older. This is just normal. Your hormone levels are dropping and it's normal for your age. You're simply getting older. But the truth is, that our hormones don't decline because we age. We age because our hormones decline. So Interesting. <laughs> I hadn't heard yeah, it put that, that way. Yeah, that's actually the truth. That's exactly what happened. So what we have done is we found a way of how to hack the brain into thinking or responding the same way on a similar way it did in your own body when you were a child. So 
how do we do that? We need to actually trick the brain that there's a huge muscle damage happening in your body. And we do that by applying compression around your legs. It's not a very high compression. It's 65 millimeters mercury. So it's, it's a very low compression level known as below systolic, below the lower number of your blood pressure. And then we put you through this 20-minute interval exercise. During those 20 minutes, an example would have a nine-minute warm-up. The nine-minute warm-up, you're running maybe 60 to 70 watts. It's like not even a brisk walk. It's below a brisk walk. Then you go through a 30-second sprint. So there's a 30 seconds of intensity followed by 90 seconds of rest. So the 90 seconds of rest, you would be 20 watts or less. So it's just like you know below strolling type intensity. And then after 90 seconds, you have another sprint. So you have a total of about six sprints intervolving with those 90-second rest periods. And the idea there is that when we apply compression to your upper legs, in this case, we are preventing the removal of the lactic acid because those veins are compressed slightly. So not all of that lactic acid gets removed. And we basically hack the brain into thinking you just ran up a 2,000-foot mountain and did CrossFit and Sanity and P90X on the way up there and completely trashed your muscles. And the brain responds by sensing this high concentration of lactic acid in the blood. And then it goes to work generating additional hormone levels to rebuild the muscles that are actually not damaged at all. So this extra hormone level can then address other parts in your body that need addressing, such as some old injury that you know has been giving you pain in the back for the last six, eight months or longer. Any part of the body that needs endocrine system. Endocrine system, of course, refers to hormones, and we have hormones known as anabolic hormones. Anabolic hormones are the hormones that actually rebuild your body, and that's growth hormone, testosterone, DHEA, and IGF-1. IGF-1 is insulin growth factor 1. So those four hormones then get released through the pituitary gland because the pituitary gland is stimulated with this very strong signal that it's not used to getting. Does that make sense so far? Yes, it does. Basically, we're pretending we're causing something to appear like there's been massive exercise or workload on a muscle where it produces lactic acid, and you're keeping that lactic acid by a kind of a tourniquet, basically with the compression, and then the body is responding to that from the pituitary gland, releasing all these androgenic type of hormones that start to rebuild the things that it believes are damaged. Is that accurate? That is accurate. The only correction I would make is that I wouldn't compare this to a tourniquet because whenever we hear the word tourniquet, that means blocking the blood flow completely. So, you know, when okay. somebody who is in a severe accident and they're bleeding out, you want to apply a tourniquet to basically save their life. Otherwise, they would lose all of their blood. A partial uh, tourniquet. <laughs> well, no, I, I understand. Yeah, this is a, a mild compression compared to a tourniquet, and we do not right. compress the entire limb. We just compress the muscle from the back. So it's a lot different. So there's three scientific principles behind this technology. The very first one is what we just spoke about, and that has to do with mimicking or biomimicking muscle injury by preventing the lactic acid removal and basically hacking the brain into thinking there is a damage in the muscle tissue, where in fact there is zero damage. So this extra hormone level doesn't have to repair the muscle because the muscle is not damaged. So you have this benefit of growth hormone for additional type of energy. So, for example, an athlete that needs to be very active and, and be best at his best at the game. All of the professional athletes that I've ever met overtrain. So whenever you overtrain, you never have all of your 
endocrine system available to give you the best performance you can have because part of that endocrine system, part of your hormones, are repairing the effects of overtraining. So, you know, damaged meniscus, damaged ligaments, torn muscles, all of that requires input from your hormone levels to repair. So when that is happening, you don't have all of those hormones available to you to give you the energy to be the absolute best. When you use this technology, the whole healing process is expedited so you can heal your body from overtraining and actually don't continue with overtraining but have very similar or even much better effect because you're getting this extra hormone levels without causing the damage to your body. Sorry for the interruption again. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allografts, exosomes, supplements, legal health, or how to create a million-dollar business card and dominate your area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and any question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or go to our website at drrosscarter.com to learn more. Don't forget about our current $475 Warden's Jelly Special. On with the show. So this is the number one principle behind it. The second one has to do with temperature control. So what happens whenever we exercise, especially when we go through intense exercise, it always involves sweating. And when we sweat, there's a tremendous amount of blood that is shunted from the muscles and different parts of the body to the surface of the skin in order for you to sweat. So the skin is the largest organ in our body. It has about six and a half million pores. So it requires a significant amount of blood to bring that sweat to those pores and push it to the pores. And of course, when that sweat evaporates, this is the natural way for this evaporated cooling. That's how our body is designed to cool. So each one of us has a very specific amount of blood on board, and that happens to be close to 8% of your body weight. So if you're looking at a 100-pound person, you're looking at somebody who has 8 pounds of blood inside. So that's slightly more than a gallon. And if that person exercises with intensity, quite a bit of that blood is working at the skin level to sweat, which means you don't have enough blood at the muscle level to remove the lactic acid. And this is exactly why we have sore muscles for a day or two sometimes, because there was not enough blood at the muscle level to push that lactic acid out. And the lactic acid was reabsorbed by the muscle and it took 24 hours or longer to get that lactic acid absorbed back into the blood and eliminate it. So that's one negative, of course, of sweating. But there is another much more important negative. Whenever we exercise with intensity and we sweat, the body temperature goes up and the blood temperature goes up as well. And if you look at the consistency of the blood, it's mostly water. So imagine what happens when you heat a bowl of water on a stove. You can actually see the oxygen coming out of it. If you keep the water long enough, of course, it will disappear. So on a different scale, the same thing happens with the blood. So as the blood temperature goes up, it releases oxygen. And blood oxygen is the fuel for the muscle tissue. That's what the muscles live on. So the less oxygen you have in your blood, the less you can perform and the quicker you get to the point known as VO2 max. The VO2 max is where you can no longer metabolize oxygen. So the best way to describe that is if you can see people running a marathon, especially during the second half of the marathon, they're pushing hard and by that time they're sweating, they're tired, and you can see their mouths open. They are, you know, sort of look like fish out of water, trying to get as much oxygen as they can into their lungs. And they're actually succeeding in getting the oxygen inside the lungs. But the blood is too warm to accept that oxygen into the bloodstream. 
And that's when they sort of hit the wall, known as VO2 max, and they can no longer perform. With our technology, it's to prevent sweating or eliminate mostly the process of sweating. And we do that by cooling, liquid cooling, not air cooling. So when you're on the system, you have specifically designed bladders that run cool water through, and they cool the back of your chest, the back of your pelvis, the compression areas, as well as your feet. When you're on our system, you're barefoot. You don't have any shoes on. So another reason for cooling your feet, imagine what happens when you're under a hot blanket and you're too hot. The first thing we do is we strip your foot out because your feet are both radiators as well as thermostats. So there's a certain temperature level, which happens to be close to 78 Fahrenheit, that actually gives you the proper thermostat setting for the body. So the idea of cooling during exercise is not to lower your cold body temperature, but to prevent it from going up. And when that is established, all of the blood stays in the muscle level because you're not sweating. So you have enough blood there to remove the lactic acid very efficiently, so you never, ever have sore muscles afterwards. But much more importantly, because that blood is normal temperature, it absorbs and retains more oxygen. So the more oxygen you have inside your blood, the more strength you have, the more energy you have. So your VO2 mass goes forward. So that's the second primary, very important principle behind this technology. So there's one left. And the last one has to do with electrochemical physiology in our body. So our bodies are electrochemical devices. And the chemical part as well as the electrical part of it responds to what we call grounding. So there was a very famous scientist back in the late 60s, mid to late 60s into early 70s. His name was Dr. Becker, uh, Robert Becker. He was an orthopedic surgeon, was actually trying to find how to cure arthritis. And he did a lot of research and actually realized that arthritis and a lot of the autoimmune diseases became very prevalent in the Western society when polymers were invented. So when we invented synthetic carpets, synthetic shirts, synthetic clothing, and at the same time, Robert sold shoes. So he'd walk around the house and pick up massive amounts of static electricity, which is oxidant inflammatory energy, and then go outside and we would not be able to release that energy to the ground because we were isolated because Robert sold shoes. So this is when high incidence of arthritis, lupus, multiple sclerosis, other types of diseases that are known as autoimmune diseases became very well known in the Western world. Now about the same time, if you were to look at India, where there's almost a billion people, and at that time most of those people were walking around barefoot and had cotton clothing on, they basically didn't really know autoimmune disease nearly at the same level as the Western society did when polymers were invented. So Dr. Becker wrote two books, and he very accurately described this process. So when I designed the technology, I actually used that work. He was also, I understand, nominated two times for Nobel Prize in Medicine for this work, but was never awarded it because he was not you know, a well-known, well-published PhD. So that's the third principle we use. So whenever you're on our equipment, your feet, you have bare feet that we cool, but also the plates that your feet are touching are made out of brass. So we basically pull down your static electricity, and that brass plate is grounded to a copper plate that has water going through it. So the idea is that when you finish this protocol, even if you have spandex or different types of synthetic clothing, your electrical load is normal because you download all the static electricity and you pick up negative electrons, which balances your electrochemical balance. So that's the basic principles behind this, and then we can be happy to answer questions or talk about how, how that translates into achieving health. Yeah, that would be interesting. So what is the metrics that you're using to really determine the effectiveness of this type of technology? 
So it is very, very easy to measure the effectiveness of this technology because we are using the measuring methods that are accepted and commonly used in science. You know, if you're doing meditation, if you're doing acupuncture, some of those techniques are extremely beneficial, but it is not that easy to measure it consistently and then repeat the same exercise and the same and get the same measurement consistently because everyone is different. In this case, we're measuring very specific hormone levels, which all of us respond to. So the first hormone level that we are focused on is cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone known as catabolic hormone. And if you look at the number one cause of many deaths, specifically related to cardiac arrest or heart attacks, as well as many other debilitating diseases, a lot of that has to do with stress. So the higher the stress is at night, the higher the cortisol levels are at night, the less effective and less beneficial your sleep cycle will be. So we lower the nighttime cortisol levels as much as 60 to 70%. When you sleep, you actually, in many cases, you know, benefit from the second release of the hormones at night that most people don't benefit. Children always do, but adults don't. Again, because of our lifestyle and the stress, different biological clocks or circadian rhythms that are related to when we go to sleep and what we eat and what we drink. So missing out that growth hormone level at night translates into significant increase in the process of aging or speed up the aging process. Not only that, but also, of course, in weakening the immune system so you're much more vulnerable to, to being sick. So the most reported benefit of people who use this technology is a very, very significant increase in the quality of sleep. We're all so addicted to coffee that most people that I work with, you know, they get up in the morning and they put on a pot of coffee before they hop in the shower. And after they use Vasper for a while, they just forget to drink the coffee. They leave the house because they have gotten that second release of hormones at night. It completely changes your day. This is actually very, very beneficial to professional athletes or amateur athletes, especially when they lose a game. Because when you lose a game, and quite often those games are played late afternoon or evening, the losing team, of course, all of those people are replaying the game in their brains. They are rethinking, you know, I should have done this, I should have done that, maybe I should have done something different. All of that results in added stress level, and then they miss out on the second half of the growth hormone. They wake up in the morning, and they, they are even weaker and in less position, in a much weaker position to win another game. And so that happens maybe a day or two later. So this is a very, very good intervention to basically get them to rest and then do much better on the following day. From athletic point of view, you know, I could talk about this for 24 hours straight. So I, if you, <laughs> you know. If, if this monologue is getting too long, just tell me to shut up and ask a question. <clears throat> no problem. Because this is my passion. I've been doing it for, for quite a while. So from the athletic point of view, the other benefit, of course, is that when you're in a team sport, for example, I'll give you an example. So in a hockey team, for example, the person who gets the puck on a stick, if you were to look at their heart rate, you would see the heart rate go up dramatically very quickly. And the reason the heart rate goes up is because that athlete goes into his brain and says, okay, I have the puck, now I have to do something. What are my options? You know, And once you go into the brain, you cannot be very effective because the brain is way too slow compared to the game you're playing. So the people that are doing well, they go into their instinct and they go into what's called a flow mode. When you're in the flow, you don't have to think about it. You just trust your training, your intuition, and you automatically either pass the, in this case, a factor another athlete or score or whatever without processing it through the brain. 
So the emotional balance and the hormonal balance are very, very closely connected. And we're finding that when we put people on VASPA and they actually go through this process where they're hormonally balanced, it's much easier for them to go into that closed space when they can actually trust their training, their body, and their intuition to do much, much better in a competitive environment. So the endocrine health is basically the essence of our health. So it also, when your testosterone levels go up, of course, your libido improves tremendously. And the number of people that actually ingest growth hormones or different types of hormones to supplement the loss of the hormones they have is something that has been known in practice. But practically all of those people have no idea of the physiological price that is connected to using synthetic hormones. Some people refer to bioidentical hormones, but there's no such thing as bioidentical hormones. There's only two types of hormones. One is the hormone that's made inside your body, and the other one is hormone that comes from outside your body. The hormone that comes from inside your body is called endogenous, and the hormone that comes from outside your body is called exogenous. What we're doing with this technology is we're, we're stimulating the pituitary gland in the brain to increase the production of endogenous growth hormone and endogenous hormone. And pituitary gland your master gland that actually controls all of the hormonal production in your body. So when pituitary gland produces additional hormone levels, there's something known as downstream anabolic effect, which is means a signal to the other hormones downstream, for example, to produce additional levels of testosterone, additional levels of DHEA. The hormones that basically balance your body and rebuild your body are being triggered by the pituitary gland. And of course, an athlete who gets checked for doping, the first thing they do is they will check the growth hormone level. They can take a urine sample, for example, or a blood sample, and check the growth hormone level. And if the growth hormone level is extremely high, then they check the testosterone levels and DHEA and the other hormones. And if the other hormones are very low, then you're caught, because that means you're doping. You're just using one hormone to give you an unfair advantage over others. But if the same athlete is checked and the growth hormone is high, and then the testosterone level is high, and all the other hormones are high, that means that this is an endogenous growth hormone, because all of these hormones went up in concert, and all those athletes, of course, are legal. They have not been doping. So just one more uh, quick thing about this type of situation is that whenever you're doping or using, you know, the most people that we relate to when we think about growth hormone are baseball players. And there's two reasons why they're two reasons why they're using the growth hormone. Number one is to help them recover faster, but the main actual reason is that it increases their visual acuity. So when you're playing baseball, you want to see that ball coming at you at 100 miles an hour faster, so you can hit it. And that's why they take the growth hormone. But then what I just described happens when the pituitary gland is flooded with synthetic hormone, it stops making its own hormone. So then the downstream anabolic effect is no longer there. So you're not making any testosterone, so you have to go to steroids. It's not a choice. It's a necessity to go to steroids to make testosterone. And the minute you start doing that, the hormonal balance is out the window and the emotional balance goes with it. So that's when you see an athlete punching out his wife or girlfriend in the elevator and dragging her unconscious, you know, by her hair. And then, you know, the, the coach is trying to talk to this man, but talking to this man is not going to work because, you know, he's a passenger of the drunk monkey brain because he's using synthetic or exogenous hormone. So the beautiful part about the technology we have is that we are actually cranking up your own hormones, which maintains your hormonal balance. It increases your pituitary gland production, but it also increases all the other hormones at the same level so that you're hormonally balanced, you're emotionally balanced, you can be you know, the best person 
to your loved ones as well as to your teammates. The basis of that technology is known as biomimicry. Biomimicry means imitating nature. And I was never considered myself smart enough to outsmart nature, but it's a lot of fun to imitate nature. So we basically imitate the physiology of a young child in an adult body, which is absolutely amazing. Well, that's fascinating. Very cool. Gets me excited about uh, using the product so that I could become like a young child as well and not beat up my girlfriend and drag her by the hair. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason why we love to be around children. They don't have hidden agendas. They're they're wonderful to be with, and they love life. Those are some of the things we all want to identify with. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Please subscribe to be notified of all new episodes and also like and share this to help us grow. To find out more about this speaker, become a speaker on our show, to have Dr. Carter present at your event or podcast, learn more about coaching, consulting, tissue allographs, exosomes, supplements, legal help, or how to create a million-dollar business card to dominate your local area, we're here to help you. Just text your name and your question to 561-962-1231. Write that down. That's 561-962-1231. Or you can go to our website at drrosscarter.com. That's D-R-R-O-S-S-C-A-R-T-E-R.com to learn more. Until next time, this is Dr. Ross Carter signing off. Signing off.